Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to Get Your Goat. Before the weekend, a lot of sports this weekend. NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs will officially start tomorrow with today being the last play-in game. I will be getting into that, the Grizzlies and the Warriors. Also recapping the other games from yesterday, those play-in games, uh, the play-in games from Wednesday as well. NHL playoffs and sheer chaos happening there. And then I'm going to break down my MLB top five and then what I forgot on my podcast the other day. I'm going to give you my PGA Championship uh, prediction and some story lines there. So a lot to get into today. But first, I'm going to start off with some NFL talk. There's been a lot of back and forth I've been seeing and reading on Twitter and different analysis. It's uh, people thinking the Kansas City Chiefs are going to go 20-0. People might think the Bucks are going to go 20-0, but those are the only two teams that are tabbed to go 20-0. And to me, those are the only teams that come to my mind. Uh, for a team that could go 20-0 this upcoming season. But who do I think is more likely? Hands down, I'm going to think it's the Bucks, and I'm going to tell you why. So the Chiefs just lost to the Bucks this past season in the Super Bowl. I expect them, uh, or I expected them to go crazy this year. Uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes fully healthy, uh, to come out with an extra game and maybe break passing yard records of this year in a single season. I expect this offense to be high-flowing. I expect this offensive line uh, to look a little better than it did last year. They're going to have to mesh uh, in game time. So that's still a question mark, is that offensive line. Yes, it is revamped, but how much different will it look, how much better and improved will it actually be on the field? That's still a question mark. They have a question mark around their running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yes, he looked great his first game against the Texans, but after that game, he did not look uh, like a rock star anymore. And then this defense, there's questions if the linebacker position, uh, if the edge, I don't think Frank, Frank Clark is a premier pass rusher in this league, and the amount they're paying him, they're paying him like a premier pass rusher. Yes, you have Chris Jones, who can stuff run and interior pass, but they don't have an edge rusher. They don't have linebackers. And outside of a honey badger in the secondary, they don't have a true shutdown corner. They have some nice corners back there at Sneed and Ward, but they don't have a true shutdown corner. So there's questions on defense, some minor questions on offense. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is great, but he can't mask every problem on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Andy Reid and the defensive coordinator do their best and try their best, especially throwing, uh, flowing through their offense uh, to make sure they fill up any holes. But when you look at the Chiefs and the way they're constructed and the way they were last year, very similar teams. The loss of Sammy Watkins, I think, hurts uh, Mahomes just a little bit in this passing attack. Not much, but maybe just enough to affect it for one game where you're like, I wish I had Sammy Watkins out on the field. And when you take a look at last year, uh, they were 14-2. and two. Uh, The last game didn't matter. They already lost one. So to me, they easily could have gone 15-1 and one if they would have played all their games or started their players in that last game. But that was not the case. Uh, so how likely are the Chiefs to go 20-0 with the question marks that I just identified? Well, first off, let's go quickly through their schedule. First, they play the Cleveland Browns, and to me, which has a better team on paper up and down than the Kansas City Chiefs, I expect that to be a great game. So they have a home game against the Browns. It's going to be emotional. The Browns are back. A great team, great rushing attack, great defense. Uh, I expect the Browns to swarm the Chiefs. The Chiefs could win this game, but that's a very losable game on the schedule. Then they play the Ravens the following week, Sunday night. So that's two big games back-to-back. I don't think the Ravens are going to do anything uh, to the Chiefs because 
Chiefs RV Ravens kryptonite, and the Ravens do not have an answer on either end for the Chiefs uh, for some reason. So even though that could be a close game and a scheduled mark game on Sunday night, I don't expect the Chiefs to lose that game. And then the week after, you have another big game against the Chargers. Chargers beat them last year in the finale, but almost beat them, uh, I believe, the second week as well. Uh, Justin Herbert played great last year against this team, uh, coming in, filling in for Tyrod Taylor early in the season. Uh, he's back now, rookie of the year. Offensive line has improved through the draft. Uh, this team has improved. New head coach. Let's see how the Chargers look this year again. That could be a very another losable game for the Chiefs. Then they play the Eagles, uh, which will be easy. Then they play the Bills. Another tough game. So that's four kind of off the bat that are tough. Their first four out of five games are tough. They have an early gauntlet. Again, they demolished the Bills in the AFC Championship game last year, but you believe the Bills are coming back and want to win this game and prove uh, they can compete with the Chiefs Sunday night. Stakes are high. Uh, again, I see the Chiefs winning this game, but it could be losable depending on if this Bills defense and the edge rushers they brought in through the draft have improved this team. But again, I think they'll win, but that's four out of five losable games in a row. Then they play the football team, which I think is a win. Then after that, they play the Titans. Again, another tough game, this time in Tennessee. Uh, Derrick Henry can run through this Chiefs defense, uh, open up play action. Uh, I could see the Titans giving the Chiefs a shot. Uh, the Titans have beat the Chiefs before. Then the week after that, Monday night, Giants and Chiefs. A lot of people are liking the Giants. How will that game fare? Uh, with Daniel Jones and this revamped offense, adding Kenny Galladay onto this team to improve this. How will they look? Then after that, they play the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, against Patrick Mahomes. Again, another losable game right there. Very tough. Uh, again, I think Patrick Mahomes is better than Aaron Rodgers right now, but Aaron Rodgers is league MVP uh, coming off that. I think that'll be a great game. Then the week after that, he plays the Raiders. And John Gruden's a coach that has his number. And the Raiders are a tough team, and they play the Chiefs really well. They beat the Chiefs uh, last year uh, in Kansas City. This one's a Sunday night in Las Vegas. There will be fans in the stands. Expect that place to get packed and loud. And the Raiders almost beat them both times uh, last year. So John Gruden knows his team very well. Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, uh, they play this team really well. They match up really well. Uh, so, again, another losable game. Cowboys, uh, that's easy. Broncos, easy. Then they play the Raiders again just three weeks later. Then the Chargers right after that in L.A., another tough game uh, on Thursday night. So you have... A Sunday against the Raiders, which is tough. Then you travel to L.A., a Thursday night game for the Chargers, which is never easy. Uh, then you have the Steelers, and who knows which Steelers team will show up at this part of the season. And then they finish off easy uh, with the Bengals and the Broncos on the road. So really, it's this first half of the schedule for them, and they do have some games that trickle into the second half of those Raiders uh, games and uh, the one against the Chargers. So really, you're going to be tested early and early on, and that's kind of when you're at your worst is early on to the season because you're still uh, growing with this team, especially this offensive line, as I mentioned, and the defense, uh, which isn't uh, world beaters. will start off tough. Yes, they gain momentum over time in the season, but they have to start the momentum somewhere, so that's going to be early in the season. So how will this Chiefs team look? You know, I could see them being... Uh, 14 and three next year or 13 and four. They have losable games, a much harder uh, schedule to go through, especially with more question marks on that team uh, than the Bucks. But I do think they'll represent the AFC 
and be the best team in VAFC. Now the Bucks, to me, they don't really have questions. Barring injury to Tom Brady, they really don't. But again, you can say that with the Chiefs barring injury to Patrick Mahomes. But Tom Brady, the GOAT at quarterback, a good running back uh, crowd uh, with Leonard Fournette, uh, Giovanni Bernard, uh, Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn, wide receivers, you know, Chris Godwin, uh, and company, and Mike Evans, and such, and Gronkowski, and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, O.J. Howard coming back from injury, a great offensive line, great defense. I think they'll be the best defense this year, number one. I think the Rams will be supplanted, and the Rams will have a number two defense because uh, they're up to down with the secondary another year, Antoine Winfield, and uh, big contract for uh, Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul and another linebacker they drafted. So really, this team to me has no real weaknesses or question marks on their roster. And then when you take up the look of their schedule, it is uh, favorable to them. They open against the Cowboys. Uh, they dominate the Cowboys early on. Then the Falcons, another dominant game right there. Then they have a tough game against the Rams. This one's in L.A. To me, this is their first true test of the season to face a reigning number one defense. A new offense uh, with Matthew Stafford at the helm now replacing Jared Goff. Sean McVay, Deshaun Jackson has a deep threat if he can stay healthy. This team, I think, will give the Bucks a very tough test early on. So that's a losable game. I could see that one early on. And then they play the Patriots again. And that's another away game in New England. A lot of emotion. Tom Brady returning to Foxborough. How will he fare there? I think he'll win that game, but you do have some people pegged that is a losable game. So he has two tough back-to-back road games early on. Then after that, he faces the Dolphins, which I think he'll win. Uh, He's familiar with Miami. He's had his losses at Miami, but he's familiar with this one in Tampa, still in the state of Florida, though. But even with the Dolphins improving, as I think they'll make the playoffs and be improved uh, with the system around Tua. Uh, Tom Brady is too experienced uh, for the Dolphins. This team, I think, will pressure Tua down there. But again, that's kind of three middle-of-the-pack games there you just don't know about for sure. Then the Eagles, uh, which will be easy as well. That's not really a good team. The Bears, uh, I don't care if they have Justin Fields or Andy Dalton or... Nick Foles, whoever they have, this is Tom Brady's revenge game from last year where, you know, he put the four fingers up. Is it fourth down? You know, what the, I thought it was fourth down. I thought we had one more down because uh, he lost last year in Chicago. I think he's going to get his revenge this year on Chicago as, you know, memes will be playing right before that game and up till that game of that point. And then that game he didn't score any touchdowns, or I think they scored one Uh but he'll be putting it four fingers as end of the four touchdowns. He will be throwing that game. Then after that, he plays the Saints, which will be easy because no longer Drew Brees on that team. Then the football team, which they handled in the playoffs last year. The Giants, which could be interesting in another Monday night game. Very interesting finish last year on Monday night football. A questionable no call on pass interference last year. Uh, do the Giants come back and try to storm to a win? That's questionable. I don't think so. Then they play the Colts, who have a great defense in Indianapolis. That'll be a great game. Uh, two good defenses going at it, but Tom Brady is the GOAT, and Carson Wentz is not entered the chat yet. Then they play the Falcons, which will be easy. Then the Bills... Uh, to me, is their last tough game of the season early in December. Uh, but it's in Tampa. You have Josh Allen going against Tom Brady, which will be a great show. Uh, I think Josh Allen can put some points up on this defense. But at the same time, after what I saw this defense due to Patrick Mahomes, they can kind of game plan, game plan that uh, for Josh Allen and covering him and Stephon Diggs 
and I think they'll win this game, but again, another close one to close out. But then you face the Saints again, and then the Panthers, easy. Uh, the Jets, they're still rebuilding, and Tom Brady owns the Jets, and then the Panthers yet again. So to me, they're tested early on, but with how good this roster is and not really any real weaknesses on this team, you can't really say that they're in favored. Uh, to me, I could see the Rams favored in every game this season and go 20-0. Uh, I like their chances a lot more than the Kansas City Chiefs, even though I might prefer the Kansas City Chiefs. And then some other NFL news. There's been rumors of a Julio Jones trade. The Atlanta Falcons might be shopping their star wide receiver Julio Jones uh, to clear up some cap room and cap constraints. I do believe he's due to make around $15 million uh, this year. So they kind of want to take him off the books with Matt Ryan already with a big contract and other people to sign, uh, such as Calvin Ridley soon. It's a lot of money tied down uh, to a lot of people when you have to address issues on defense as well. So there's two destinations I would like to see Julio Jones go to, and there are two possible destinations too. I don't think these are, uh, you know, dream destinations or you know, hopeful destinations, but they're destinations I like, and a trade could very well take place. In the AFC, a lot is talked about the Ravens and the Julio Jones making them a Super Bowl contender, or you know, that being their missing piece. Don't think that's the case with Lamar Jackson's skill set. I think it would be beneficial for him to be on the Titans in the AFC. I think the Tennessee Titans, if they want to get back to where they were in the AFC Championship game a couple years ago, they need to go out and get Julio Jones. Why do I say that? Well, they have the best running back by by far in Derrick Henry. He's a man. He's a rock. He's the one that, you know, dictates 50% of their offensive plays are to him or more. Uh, That's how big he is in big time. Uh, 2,000-yard rushing running back, touchdown leader. That's just how good he is. Uh, But Ryan Tannehill is no slouch either. Uh, To me, he is uh, con artist Kirk Cousins' Kind of better. I'd definitely rather have Tannehill on my team than uh, Kirk Cousins. He kind of manages his turnovers and at least uh, makes some decent throws throughout the game and has won some playoff games and decent games credited to him. So Ryan Tannehill, I think, would benefit. He has A.J. Brown. And other than that, he doesn't have much. Yes, they have tight end Anthony Ferkser, but he's not special. Even other than A.J. Brown, they lost... Uh, Corey Davis in free agency, and same with Humphreys as well. So really, their wide receiver depth is very weak, and I know the focus is on uh, Derrick Henry, but if you have an A.J. Brown at one side, and then you have a Julio Jones on the other side, that's formidable. That opens up a lot of room for Derrick Henry, and then vice versa when Derrick Henry's running the ball well. And you can open up play action, and you might have Julio Jones one-on-one, A.J. Brown one-on-one. That would be a nightmare matchup for opposing teams. Uh, If I were the Titans, I'd find a way to make this trade without giving up too much because Julio Jones is an older wide receiver around the 32 mark, uh, dealt with some injuries, so I don't think you need to break the bank to go out and get him, especially with his break-the-bank contract that he's signed to. But I think it'd be very smart uh, to pair Ryan Tannehill with Julio Jones and have him incorporate in the system. And then in the NFC, there's been some rumblings about the Packers. Could he be the missing link and get Aaron Rodgers to stay? That does intrigue me, but I do think that the Falcons would force the Packers to give up quite a lot. Uh, But I think the 49ers would be a great piece. They don't have a true number one wide receiver. They have speedsters and Ayuk and Debo Samuel and uh, 
God and Goodwin. Uh, so they have good uh, wide receivers, but they don't have a number one. So having Julio Jones to go with whatever quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, you saw the season he had with Emmanuel Sanders. He's not a number one, but he did have a good season with him. And then you have Trey Lance up and coming. Trey Lance having a safety net as of George Kittle, a premier tight end in this league. And then a number one wide receiver in Julio Jones. Uh, Trey Lance, I think, would be more than happy with that. So to me, those are the two destinations I would like to see Julio Jones go to. Is either the Tennessee Titans or the San Francisco uh, 49ers. Now moving on to the NBA. Wednesday night, I was right on both my predictions. I picked the Grizzlies uh, to beat the Spurs in the 9 and 10 seed, and the Grizzlies did just that. Uh, to me, Grizzlies were up the whole game, and it wasn't even a John Morant's best game. It was Dylan Brooks playing phenomenal, uh, 24 points. Dallin Tunis at the rim with 23 rebounds. And John Morant kind of just, he was a factor, you know, 20 uh, points and 6 assists. Uh, but he didn't look uh, like other games in the past where he looked brilliant. And then in the Spurs, Patty Mills uh, kept uh, him in the game going 3 for 6, shooting 50% uh, from 3. Uh, to kind of keep them hot, DeMar DeRozan, but this team uh, was just not enough uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies. I was right on that one. Then, I was also right on the second play-in game. I picked the Lakers to beat the Warriors, and the Lakers did just squeak it out against the Warriors. And this was a great game, uh, back and forth, Warriors up the whole first half at halftime, and uh, the wheels started falling off in the third quarter with some turnovers. Got very tight getting into the fourth quarter. Lakers took the lead, and I thought it was the Lakers from there. Then the Golden State Warriors took it back near the end, and I thought it was over uh, for them, but the Lakers clawed back and tied it up. And then LeBron, after a hard foul by Draymond Green, Draymond Green hit him in the face, and that should have been a flagrant one. It was called a common foul, hard common foul, but it should have been a flagrant one. It was forcible contact to the face. He was not making a play on the ball at all. I didn't go up to block the ball. Uh, His hand wasn't even in the realm of LeBron James' arms. It was straight Draymond Green's Hands to the face of LeBron James. Poked him right in the eye. Uh, You want to call it, C.J. McCollum wants to call it actor of the year. LeBron for laying on the court. uh, But he took a hard hit uh, to the face. And if you want to call it actor of the year, obviously he didn't win an Oscar uh, for that role. uh, Because they didn't even call it a flagrant foul. It was just a common foul. But Draymond Green... Is a dirty player. I don't like him. And he doesn't. He affects the game with his rebound and assist, but scoring, he does not. He's a starter. 41 minutes. Tied for Steph Curry for most minutes that game. Only scored two points. Only took five shots. Missed them all. Didn't even make any one of his shots. His points were just off free throws. That's how bad he is. Steph Curry. Had a fantastic game. Started off slow in the second quarter. Or started off slow in the first quarter. But heated up in the second quarter. Making terrific three-point shots near the end of that quarter. Including a buzzer beater at half that was a tremendous. Then was flowing in the third quarter as well. But they were turning the ball over. And then in the fourth quarter as well. Uh, making threes. Uh, but... At the end, it was just tremendous defense, the number one defense in the league. The Los Angeles Lakers uh, stepped up to a task. Anthony Davis on Steph Curry uh, didn't even allow him uh, to get a shot off. 
And then for the Lakers, another shout-out to Anthony Caruso, because I don't think he was great offensively, even though he had uh, 14 points. To me, it was his defense, especially, uh, that caused a lot of turnovers. So I will give him props for that. Uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis were quiet in the first half, but they awoke up in the second half and played really well. Anthony Davis with 25 points, almost playing the whole game. LeBron James with that game-winning three, where he saw three rims, he said, and he shot for the middle rim. Good for him. Uh, To me, that was definitely not a clutch shot. I will agree with some people after saying it wasn't clutch. It was more of a desperation, no shot, no minutes left on the shot clock, no seconds. So it was a desperation type of heave. And guess what? LeBron has made desperation heaves before, and he's made another one. Uh, He practices his game to where if he has to throw a ball up, you know, he gives it a good shot of it going in. And he did just that. Uh, But Kyle Kuzma... Has to be better. To me, six points is unacceptable. It's fine in a play-in game. Uh, but when Caruso score more than you, uh, KCP score more than you, and you know Andre Drummond's right behind you, then uh, that's some work because they expect you, they wanted to form a big three with you. And when the game was called on Wednesday, uh, the big three, they said it was Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and KCP. So you're no longer part of a big three, Kuzma. So you really have to... Uh, step up the expectations are no longer there for you to be great. But Jeannie Buss kept you around. This team kept you around. It didn't include you in any trades uh, for any player. So it's up to you uh, to step up uh, Kyle Kuzma. But other than that, it was a fantastic game. Uh, back and forth. And to me, so far, the best game in the NBA this entire year. Uh, LeBron, Steph Curry... Anthony Davis, if it's all you can ask for. And really, the game was won because the Warriors turned the ball off too many times. They turned the ball too many times. 20 turnovers to Los Angeles Lakers, uh, 13. So that was kind of the biggest uh, domino right there. Yes, the Warriors were more efficient than the Lakers shooting the ball, but it didn't matter. Uh, because of the turnovers in that game. So the Lakers move on to the second seed and play the Suns, while the Warriors play the play-in tonight. But last night, I was wrong on another play-in. I picked the Pacers to beat the Wizards, and that was not the case as the Wizards routed the Pacers. So, so far, in the East play-in, I was 0-3 for 3 in the East play-in, didn't pick one team right in the East play-in. But in the West play-in, I'm so far 2-0 and and have not picked a game wrong that series. But Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, uh, delivered. That's good for this team. Uh, took a dominant you know, second quarter and third quarter to really coast along in the fourth quarter. And they had uh, just a terrific efficient night both Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook Russell Westbrook two rebounds shy of a triple double and then Bradley Beal with 25 points their leading score uh if he's back and healthy this really helps uh, this team so I was wrong on the Pacers DeMontis Sabanis you know did all right 19 points but as I just said uh to the Hornets who got crushed by the Pacers it was their defense the same thing I can say about the Pacers. Their defense uh, did not live up to the task of defending this Washington Wizards uh, team at all. So tonight is the last play-in game in the West for the eight seed. It's the Memphis Grizzlies and the Golden State of Warriors. And I'm picking the Warriors to win this game. Steph, the scoring champ this season. This, these two teams just played about a week ago on Sunday for the eighth play-in spot. And the Warriors won that game, were in control most of the game. And they won. And I think the same thing 
will be here. I think the Grizzlies uh, will pick up a good fight. I think John Morant will be better in this game. I think it'll be great game all around. Jonas Valanciunas, Dylan Brooks. Uh, but Stephen Curry is the X factor where he drops half of his team's points. Uh, so he'll definitely need to cook. But Chef Steph has been cooking uh, most of the season. And I expect him to do so in the biggest game uh, tonight. And I think they'll win against the Grizzlies. I think Draymond will have more than two points. It's going to be a tough game. And the Warriors played great defensively against the Lakers. And they'll have to do just that against the Memphis Grizzlies if they hope to advance. But I think they'll do it on picking Steph, the scoring champ, to beat the Memphis Grizzlies tonight and move on in the playoffs. Then, MVP is out as well. Jokic, Embiid, and Curry. Who do I think it'll be? I think it'll be uh, Jokic, Nikola Jokic over Joel Embiid and Steph Curry. Uh, because... Just looking at all of them, Joel Embiid had a great season, averaged a double-double, uh, but he was out for a little portion of a season. Steph Curry heated up most of the second half, but he was inconsistent a little bit uh, to begin the season when Bradley Beal was looking like the scoring champ, but Jokic, Nikola Jokic has been the most consistent, the most efficient all season, again averaging a double-double. Uh, around 26 rebounds and uh, 26 points and 10 rebounds, I, I mean. But then also it's just his efficiency on the court as well. It's He almost shot 50-40-90 as a center. Uh, his field goal percentage was at 56%. His three-point shooting was at 38%. And I believe his... Uh, free throw shooting was around 86%. So he was close to a 50-40-90 season as a center. That's incredible. That's highly efficient. That's been Nikola Jokic all year. And I think uh, he will be winning this game. Or he'll be winning the MVP, I mean. But now I'll get into my round one uh, series predictions. And I think I will just go through them uh, real quick. So you have the Milwaukee Heat, or the, my bad, the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks. As much as I want to pick the Bucks, or as much as I want to pick the Heat because of what the Heat have done to the Bucks this year, and then last year in the playoffs almost sweeping them, I just think the Bucks are going to get their revenge. I don't like them coming out of the East, but I think the Bucks want their revenge and will get it. You know, whether this game or whether the series is five, six, seven games, no matter how much it is, I think Milwaukee gets it done and they find a way. Uh, with Giannis, he doesn't have as much pressure coming off an MVP season as he did the previous two seasons was the MVP, uh, so he can't uh, do that. Then, the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Clippers rematch of last year's first round series, or second round series between these teams. Or, no, it was first round, my bad. And, you know, Luka's great shot in Game 2 propelled him, but it didn't mean much as the Clippers got the best of them. And I think that'll be the case again this year. I think the Clippers will get the best of the Mavericks yet again and beat them rather quickly in around five games. And the Celtics and the Nets, again, I don't think this will be a particularly close series as well. 
Uh, if the Celtics had Jalen Brown, I think that'd be tremendous. But with him being out, I expect the Nets and their big three of James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant will win, even if one of them is not playing, uh, whether to health or injury concerns, I think the Nets have got this. Then a very interesting series in the Trailblazers and the Nuggets. I think this one could go uh, back and forth, uh, depending on how each team plays. Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum, and the Trailblazers are playing really well as of recently, but they're going against, which I think will be the MVP, Nikola Jocic. Uh, Jamal Murray is out. So if I think if I want to pick an upset, there's so many upsets I want to pick uh, to help the Lakers out, but I don't think the Trailblazers can. Uh, why not? I'm picking the Trailblazers. Going with the heart on this one. Uh, Trailblazers, uh, you've got it. Then the Wizards and the 76ers. I think the 76ers will probably sweep the Wizards. Uh, Wizards have no business hanging in there with the 76ers at all. Then the Lakers and the Suns. I think the Lakers are going to win of this series. I think it will be a very tight series. Two very good teams. Uh, Lakers, if fully healthy, are definitely not a seventh seed. Uh, but considering where they were at this year, that is their spot. And I think they'll beat the Suns. Hawks and Knicks. I think the Knicks will win the first round series. Make it to the semifinals. Uh, and Knicks fans will feel good about themselves. Then it's a to-be-determined against the Jazz. It'll be the winner of tonight's playing game, whether it's the Memphis Grizzlies or the Utah Jazz. So I will say this. If it's the Grizzlies do pull it out tonight and beat the Jazz, I do think the Jazz will win. But I think if the Warriors pull it out tonight, I think they'll beat the Jazz in the first round. I really do. I think the Warriors are a a very tough team and have played the Jazz extremely well uh, this year. And, you know, Gobert... Uh, doesn't have an answer for Steph Curry because he doesn't guard him out there. He'll have to handle Draymond, uh, which is you know two point Draymond, and nobody on that defense uh, can really stop Steph Curry uh, from scoring. So that's my round one predictions for the NBA. Now, moving on to the NHL. Wednesday, I was wrong on the Capitals winning. Uh, beating the Bruins. The Bruins won in the second overtime, you know, off of miscues by Jeff Schultz and Elias Samsonov in goalie, uh, which is a brutal way to lose a game on a fluky uh, type goal. But no matter what, it is still a loss. Loss is a loss. I was right on the Hurricanes winning. Their fans, that stadium is loud. And they are in prime position to win that series. The Jets and Oilers started their series Wednesday night. I was wrong on the Oilers. Connor Hellebuck had a great game. Had to step up in moments where he hasn't stepped up in the past. And I said he's going to have to take over uh, if his team is going to win any series in any games. And he did just that. Uh, made great stops on everybody. Winnipeg Jets played a great game without Ellers and Dubois. And this was a great game by the Oilers. Very surprised uh, by that outcome. Even I was right on the Avalanche winning as well. Uh, it doesn't look like the Blues can do it. Then yesterday, more craziness in the NHL. Florida Panthers come back win. Win 6-5. They were down 5-3. They pull... Uh, their goalie Drager put in Bobrovsky. That was enough for them as he didn't allow in any goals on nine shots. The Florida offense looked great in the third period, tying it up and then in overtime. Got a little bit of breakaway and did that. So great game by them. And it's good to see the Panthers uh, steal a game in Tampa Bay. Then my Pittsburgh Penguins going up against the New York Islanders. In another crazy game, back and forth, absolute pandemonium. Uh, where in the first period, Latang kind of a fluky goal that Barlamov couldn't see. Uh, and then the second period, uh, Jeff Carter and Jason Zucker getting it 3-1. to one. Felt very confident heading into the third period. 
then Cal Clutterbuck and Bavilio scored on a power play, uh, made it uh, 3-3. to uh, Jeff Carter scores on a power play, and he, Jeff Carter's just been great for the Penguins this series, been great for the Penguins ever since he came over from a tra- trade deadline, has been a goal scorer, reminiscent of his younger days with the Kings uh, eight or nine years ago. And Cal Clutterbuck scores, uh, chaos uh, breaks out, and Palmieri kicks Tristan Jari when he's down with his skate. Uh, so then an all-out scum, scrum fight breaks loose. Uh, Gensel's in the box. Crosby's in the box. Uh, everybody's in the box for them. Everybody's in the box for the Islanders. Uh, that's when the Islanders score. Crosby gets out of the box. Then they score and tie it up. Then Brandon Tanev with a great uh, bat down of a puck into the net to win the game. There's three minutes left, but the Islanders can't do anything after that. A terrific game by the Pittsburgh Penguins. They skated fast, played really hard. This was the first game that the Islanders had more shots than the Penguins. And to me, they did play a little better after that first period uh, than the Penguins. But, you know, that was too much for definitely the more physical team out-hitting my team. Uh, but to me, this is a Penguins team that looks like 2016 and 17. It's your speed and depth that is winning their games. New York Islanders, to me, have three good lines, but they don't have four lines like the Penguins do if Malkin is healthy. healthy. And it's nice to see Malkin get involved. You know, on the power play, on Zucker's goal, that's great news to have him be incorporated like that. Then Montreal and Toronto. Terrible-looking injury to Captain John Tavares of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, where he was kind of blindside hit. And then as he was going down, Corey Perry kneed him in the face, which was unintentional. But then after that, Nick Foligno and Corey Perry uh, fought, you know, just uh, clear the air and, you know, make sure both teams were good. Uh, But that, to me, really zapped any kind of life and offense from Toronto. And then Paul Byron with the insane breakaway game-winning goal on his knees, shorthanded. It just can't happen, uh, but it did, and the Toronto curse uh, looks like it's still there, uh, not beating a Montreal Canadian team. And then the Vegas Golden Knights started off very slow in the first period, then erupted after that first period and just dominated uh, shots. I think they only had five shots the first period. But the second two periods combined, they had 35 and helped Minnesota to only like five shots the second two periods. So it was a quick turn of the tables there, and Vegas did not look back after that second period. But tonight there's more games, so I will be picking all the playoff games tonight, starting with the Capitals and Bruins. I think it'll be the Capitals tonight. I think they even up the series in Boston before they go back home to Washington on Sunday. Carolina Hurricanes and the National Predators. I think the Carolina Hurricanes will win this one and take a commanding 3-0 series lead. The Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. I'm picking the Oilers to even it up, but this, to me, is a must-win for Edmonton. And the Colorado Avalanche and the St. Louis Blues. I think the St. Louis Blues are done after the last game. I think another 3-0 series lead is an order after today, and that goes to the Colorado Avalanche. Now in terms of baseball news, couple one thing I wanted to mention before I get into my top five is Corey Kluber's no-hitter for the New York Yankees. That was special. Not allowing a hit, uh, allowed one walk, one walk away uh, from a perfect game. But through a no-hitter on 101 or 102 pitches, I think Corey Kluber is back. And to me, I know you don't get a no-hitter every night, but the Corey Kluber I've seen the past three or so games has been terrific. And if he keeps that up and he's back to his uh, former self, then I think he could win with Cy Young this year. And to me, he's a much better and more balanced pitcher 
Van Garrett Cole and more attuned to his arsenal, and he's the number one pitcher leading the way for the Yankees. It is not Garrett Cole. Yes, Garrett Cole's a strikeout master and has those high fastballs that he can throw all game, but the changeup, the curve, the splitter, everything that Kluber commands when he's on his off-speed stuff is too good, too much for other teams. Now to get into my MLB top five. Number five is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Why? Well, they're still winning games. A lot, a lot of injuries on this team. Now, Steger's injured, but they signed Albert Pujols, so it looks like he might be playing some first base for he was just a DH, so he's going to have an expanded role. And it looks fine because he just hit a home run the other night. I think it's his 668th, so he's just adding on to his home run total. And I think they'll keep the Dodgers at bay. He won't, but I think that addition of him will help this team out uh, more than I think I thought it would a couple weeks ago. Number four, the Boston Red Sox. These pitchers are really good. This rotation is good. Uh, better, I think, than anyone else expected. And then they have three key guys leading them on offense. Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, and J.D. Martinez. Uh, so they're hitting well. Uh, led by their big three, which is a third of their hitters. And then you have or a third of their hitters in a lineup every night. And then they have you know three good pitchers that can handle their rotation. Number three, the San Diego Padres. Why? Well, they won. They swept the Cardinals. When people were on the COVID list, they did. They had Tatis and Myers and Hosmer all on the COVID list. But they still won. Those games now, Tatis is back. Look great in his first game uh, with a homer, four for four. Uh, he's one of the best shows in baseball, and there's a reason why baseball, I think, is going to be making a comeback because of young, great players like him. And their bullpen has looked really good as well. Number two, the San Francisco Giants. Why? Because they have the best rotation in baseball. They have three pitchers that can go out and win games. Uh, night in and night out. So when you have a 1-5 to five rotation, three of those guys winning games, that makes it very difficult on the opposing nights. And they could be adding a fourth soon. In the AAA, they have more promising pitchers, uh, which would be just absolutely disgusting if they have four shutdown pitchers. And then number one, again, another two weeks in a row, the Chicago White Sox. Why? Well, they have the best offense. Deep rotation as well can go 1-5. to Their scoring runs are fun to watch. They're young. Uh, Mercedes is hitting 360, and he's a power bat. I mean, this team is doing it all. They're the best team in the league to me. Uh, By far, they're young. We'll see what happens come playoff team, but so far in the regular season, the White Sox are legit. So that's my MLB Top 5. The Los Angeles Dodgers, the Boston Red Sox, the San Diego Padres, the San Francisco Giants, and the Chicago White Sox. Now, I'm just going to finish up with the PGA Championship and who do I think is going to win. So right now, I wanted to make that pick Wednesday, but I didn't. But Phil Mickelson is leading After two days, we'll see if anyone can catch him, but he is leading at minus five. Uh, You have some people there at minus four, minus three, minus two. So it is packed, but I would love to see Phil Mickelson win. I don't think he'll win because even though he's at minus five, he's had eight bogeys on his round. Uh, So he could easily be up by a lot more if it wasn't for those bogeys. But you've got Kepka in the mix. Uh, DeChambeau, Morikawa as well, defending champion of the PGA. As much as I want to pick Kepka, I don't think it'll be him. I do think it'll be some kind of no-namer such as a Hatton or a Laird or somebody, but I'm pulling for Kepka. I think Kepka will be number two, and I wouldn't be surprised if he wins it uh, either considering he's done it before. And then another thing I want to mention is Ricky Fowler. He's playing this week, 
yesterday. Guess what? He was close to near the lead. Was at minus uh, two or minus three. He finished at minus one. And he wasn't even leading. Uh, I think at the time he finished, he was two shots off the lead because the leader was at minus three. And then the leader at the end of the day was minus five. So then afterwards, he's talking uh, that he's not playing good, but he's better now and he thinks he's found himself because he's been playing with Michael Jordan, MJ. You know, Michael Jordan, a basketball player. And that's all fine and dandy. But that's not something you say after the round one. Anybody can look good after round one. Corey Connors looked good after round one. He was leading at minus five. Today, he's minus two. Shot a 75 today. So don't come out here saying you and MJ and putting you and MJ in the same sentence. If you were like MJ, you would have been winning after round one. And if you were like MJ, you would be winning this tournament after four days. Uh, which you will not, because you were at minus one, I think, tied for ninth. But today you opened up with a double bogey. Then after that, you bogeyed. Then you finally got a birdie later in your round. So you're at plus one, tied for 33. So you're nowhere near close to winning. You're not going to win this tournament. You're not back. You never were there. And you'll never be back. Uh, Ricky, as much as I love you and as much as I rooted for you, I'm a realist and I will, you know, continue to root there for you when, you know, Whenever you play a tournament, I don't think you'll be in uh, much more, depending on exemptions, that might be given you. But, Ricky, you do need to step up. You do need to win tournaments. And you need to get it together. Uh, But no, you won't be winning like this. Saying, partnering with MJ, he's a basketball player, yes, He's probably pretty good at golf. He's played a lot of golf. Uh, but you have players like Justin Thomas, who's good friends with Tiger Woods, and Tiger Woods is the GOAT. Uh, and Ty- Justin Thomas has won a PGA Championship and has probably learned a couple things from Tiger Woods. Same with Dustin Johnson and others. Uh, so maybe you should go play basketball, Ricky. Maybe you've learned some things there. So that's it, folks. Go Phil Mickelson. Love to see you win. I'm rooting for you, along with Kepka. That's it, folks. Everybody enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your weekends. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.